Fountainhead Church of Christ. Praise the Lord. I feel like I'm at home. Amen. Y'all, y'all, you know, my wife and I are sitting here and we praising the Lord with you all and we, we kind of hunching each other like, boy, they sing like they got some soul. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to praise God? Amen. Have God not been good to us? He's been good to us. God has been better to us than we've been to ourselves. And because of that, our brother led us in the song is, uh, I love Jesus. Isn't that what you said, brother? Jesus loves me. I love that Jesus loves me. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of John, the gospel of John, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And, and I just, first of all, just let me say I appreciate so much the invitation. Brother James uh, and, and, the, and the other elders and Brother Chad, thank you all for inviting me. And my wife, we had a, we've had a wonderful time thus far, and I know we'll continue to have a wonderful time. Thank you for your hospitality. It means a lot to me, as I mentioned to Chad, is, is that really and truly churches, I'm not so overly impressed of how you treat me because I'm a visiting preacher. What impresses me is how you treat the man who, and men who labors here day in and day, not, and day out with you. Um, brother Chad and my other brother who's associate minister and the youth minister and church, that's what impresses me because these men are the ones. They're the ones. And, and, and you know, and I'm a, I'm a preacher's preacher. Um, I know what preachers go through. And I just want you all to keep, keep supporting these men. Keep encouraging these men. They need that as they labor here. And I appreciate the shepherds at this congregation. Every single one of you. There's no doubt that the Fountainhead Church of Christ, you all are in a good place. But maybe I can say something to you while I'm here that, that can help you to perhaps be better. That's my task. This morning, I just want to talk about Jesus. If you found John 4, and the reason I love Jesus, the reason I love God, church, is because he loves me. He loves me, and, and Jesus loves me more than any of you all will love me. Jesus loves me more than my wife loves me. Jesus loves me more than my children loves me. Because, you know, church, I may not always get it right, but my God will still love me. He will still love me. And I love Jesus, church, because he's been better than me than I ever can be to myself. Uh, I'm not one of those kind of preachers who, who always gets it right. I don't. The Lord has brought me a mighty long ways. God has had some amazing grace over me. Brother, I know that because um, just in my ministry, you know, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up saying I want to be a preacher. I grew up in the church. I've been in the church all my life, but I didn't grow up saying that I wanted to be a preacher. But that's a calling. And, and when God called me to that ministry, it was something that I could not resist. But I'm so glad, too, brethren, that in my darkest hour, Jesus loves me, and that's why I love him. And the thing about Jesus is he, he knows the kind of love I need. He knows that, brethren. Jesus has a unique way. Uh, he has a tailored-made way of, of uh, kind of help, to help me understand how much he loves me. And brethren, this is going to be good for us to understand in the church. He, see, Jesus knows my uprising. Um... He, he understands my thoughts, and, and he knows the stuff that, that you don't want anybody else to know about. Jesus already knows that. And when we put on that smile, when we come into the house of prayer, the Lord already knows, church, that deep down in the depth of your soul, that everything ain't all right. Brother, I know we come into this place on Sunday mornings, and, and I know we work so hard in looking good. 
But deep down in our souls, we've got some trouble going on in our lives. So, you know, the workplace may not be right. We may have some wayward children. We, 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 may, we may be in financial trouble. We, something's going on. And, and the thing about this, church, is Jesus knows. So, 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 so this morning, we can take our halos off. Lay your wings to the side because this is going to help everybody to be better. And brother, let me just tell you this. If, if you don't know something about trials, if you don't know something about storms in your life, you, if, if nothing ever touches you, if, if you've never had, have fallen down, uh, if you've never been mistreated, if you, if you never had any kind of trouble in your life, if, if you never had anybody talk about you, you may not get much out of my preaching. But if you had somebody to hurt you, uh, then we have something to talk about. And brethren, I just don't think we ought to come in here in this place and just go through a ceremony. I don't, I don't believe so. Something ought to mean something to you, to me, after a while. So, so we ought to love Jesus. And, and the reason we ought to love Jesus is because of the unique way he loves us. See, 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 church, so that this text that we're going to look at this morning, I want to show you how much Jesus loves you. Is that all right? I believe, brethren, if, if, if we can get our arms around how much Jesus loves us, this morning, if you are here and you're not a member of the Lord's church, when you come to understand how much Jesus loves you, you, don't, you won't care who you may have to disappoint. You won't care who you may have to upset. That when that song of invitation is extended, that you will say, I want to be a part of Jesus. I hope, I hope that's, what, that's what happens, Brother James. Now, brethren, in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, beginning in the verses 1, the Bible says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, brother, let me show you all what's going on right here. And we're going to get to this woman in a minute because I know we, you've read this passage. You, you know the, the woman at the well. But we're not ready to talk about this woman yet. You have to see what's going on. But I believe, I believe truly, I believe that good preaching is good teaching. And, 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 and we can take the beauty of the text. The Pharisees had began to compare the ministry of Jesus with the ministry of John the Baptist. And brethren, and here the Pharisees did not like John. Um, John was one of those outspoken kind of preachers. John would just tell you like it is, church. John, John did not cut corners, brethren. John would just tell you that the axe is laid at the root of the tree. That's John. John did not care, brethren, if you ever did anything for him or not. Not John. And he, he didn't need a church giving him anything. He didn't care whether you bought him a suit or not. Amen, brethren. Because, see, John, John's suit was made out of uh, camel hair. Am I right? And I'm talking about the raw hide of a camel. See, you couldn't go to men's warehouse and buy uh, John a suit. Amen. Uh, he didn't care whether you invited him to dinner or not. John ate locusts and wild honey, brethren. Uh, uh, can y'all cook locusts and wild honey? Huh? Well, well, well. I know, I know y'all some good cooks here, and we're gonna we're gonna see that here in a little bit. But but you can't cook locusts, can? And and, and brethren, John did not worry about that kind of stuff. John would just tell you like it is. Now. One time, if you remember, there were a group of Pharisees. 
uh, came down to John and they wanted to be baptized. And, 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 and you would think, brethren, a preacher would be happy if a group of folks came, uh, came wanting to be baptized. You would, you would expect that from a preacher. But a, if a book, if a, if I believe, brethren, if a big group of folks came down here this morning and, 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 and wanted to be baptized, I, I believe you can hold Brother Chad back long enough. Amen. Brother Chad would just be running outside, running around the building, talking about glory, hallelujah, and, I, and I'd be behind him shouting. Amen, brethren. But John was the kind of preacher, brethren, that uh, that kind of stuff did not excite John. Uh, a lot of Pharisees came down, if you remember, to be baptized. And you know what John did? John started calling them names. Amen. Brother John said, you generation of vipers, who told you to come down here and, and, and get baptized? John wouldn't even baptize these folks, church. He, he would go and say, go, you, go, you go and bring me some fruit of repentance. Uh, bring me some evidence of your repentance. Now, brother, let me just say something here while I'm here talking about that, that this is not part of my lesson, but just since I'm here. See, brethren, we ought not just baptize anybody who say they want to be baptized. Amen? Uh, folk need to make a commitment. That's our problem today in the church. I'm, I'm talking about a real commitment, and they ought to have some evidence of their repentance. So, so they didn't like John. But they didn't like Jesus either. Amen. So, see, brethren, what your enemies would do is they, they will get together on you. See, this group over here, they don't like me. And, and this group over here, y'all like uh, Brother Chad. But you like me less than you like Brother Chad. And, amen. And, 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 and what you would do is they, you, you, would, you would come together and you hold up Brother Chad's ministry and you would put down my ministry. That's what they were doing with Jesus and John the Baptist. And brethren, and, and Jesus said, before I get into any of that kind of stuff, Jesus says, I will leave before I get into any kind of competitiveness with preachers as preachers are concerned. See, brother, brother Chad and, and I, we are not uh, um, competitors. Y'all see this? Brother Chad and I, we're on the same team. We... We, we work together. And preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, brethren, we ought to be about the business of lifting one another up. We ought to be about in the business of encouraging one another, brethren. And we should, be, we should not be in this business of talking about one another and tearing each other down. So, so, so Jesus says, before I let any of that kind of stuff go on between John and myself, Jesus says, I'll leave. Y'all follow me? Y'all, I'm still really trying to paint this picture so you can understand the text. Y'all see what's going on? All right, just, just say amen. That means you're following me. So this is what's going on, brethren. So what's happening is Jesus left Judea, returning to Galilee, but the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. Let me show y'all, let me share something with you all here. Jews did not like going through Samaria. All right? Samaria church was like the bad neighborhood. Y'all got a bad neighborhood in Portland? Huh? Oh, you do. <laughs> you do. We all got one. Let the truth be known. We all got one, brother. We got one, see, see, and we need to face it that we do. We have a bad name, but the Bible says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. See, Jews did not like Samaritans. Jews did not have any dealings with Samaritans, brethren. Samaritans were the bad side of the Jewish family. Amen? See, Jews and Samaritans, brethren, were kinfolk. And if, and if you want to see some show enough feuding... Watch the feuding of kinfolk. Amen. So, so, amen, amen. See, the Samaritans, brethren, the Samaritans were the black sheep of the Jewish family. Uh, Samaritan were the hybrid Jews. Now, let me help you all with this, because, brother, this, this, this is going to make sense here. Uh, uh, Samaritans and Jews were all from Abraham. 
And brethren, in fact, the woman in her dialogue in John 4 uh, talks to Jesus and says, are you greater than our father Abraham who gave us the well? See, she claims kinship, brethren, to Jesus through Abraham. Amen? Y'all follow me? But the, way, but the way, church, the Samaritans came about, if you all remember, you remember reading when Jerusalem got destroyed and the Babylonians uh, destroyed the, a whole bunch of them and, and threw them into captivity? See, brethren, the, the Babylonians took the handsome men. They took men like uh, uh, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and they took those kind of folk, brethren, but they left the non-productive men. They left all the criminals. They left all the sick folk. They left all the not-so-handsome men. And, 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 and then, brethren, they took all the prettiest women, and, and they left all the, uh, the other kind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what you got, what you got, brethren, is when they took everybody, you got a city that's destroyed, the walls are down, the, the, the gates have been burned, there's sickness and there's disease and there's, they left all the non-productive people, brethren, and then the king of the Syrians uh, is brought in and, and, and the barbarians, brethren, they intermarried and they produced a hybrid race that was eventually called Samaritans. Brethren, so the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. But is it not interesting? In the text, the book, the Bible says that Jesus left Judea, went back to Galilee, but he did not avoid going through Samaria. Now, church, the point that we need to make right here is if we are, if we are going to be truly a, an evangelistic church, as the church of my Lord is concerned, we may have to go places, brethren, that other folk don't want to go. Y'all see this? Now, brethren, many times what we want, we want in our congregations, we want folk in our buildings to be filled up with folk that look like us, that talk like us, that dress like us, am I right? And walk like us. That's what we want many times in our church buildings. Now, brethren, but Jesus, my Lord, came and died to save sinners. Amen. He came and died to save black sinners and white sinners, Hispanic sinners and green sinners and yellow sinners and, and, and what other kind of sinners y'all got here? He came to save them all, brethren. And, and brethren, Jesus came to save drug addicts. He come to save alcoholics and prostitutes and pimps and, and what else y'all do? Huh? Y'all, I'm really trying to get y'all to see this. That's what Jesus came to save. So, we see, we want to have, sometimes, brethren, we want just to have good folks coming to our buildings. But Jesus died, brethren, for the good and the bad. So, let me tell y'all something. In Poto, where... I preach. I promise you, if you come to our congregation, brother, you're going to see some Samaritans there. You're going to see some folk that does not look like you, walk like you, nor talk like you. You're going to see some folk, and the thing about it is, brethren, if you want to come in there and you want to deal with them Samaritans, talking about they, not, they ought not be, be here with us, you got to deal with me. That's the deal. That's the bill, brother. And if we're going to be evangelistic, Fountainhead Church of Christ, if you're going to be evangelistic, you're going to have to go places that other folk does not want to go, and you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Let me tell you, grace is messy. It's messy. So the Bible says, verse 5, Y'all see what's going on? So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. I want you to underline sixth hour if you have your Bible, your personal Bible. Now, what time was it? Come on, y'all. What time was it? About the sixth hour. The sixth hour is about noontime. All right? Now, watch this. A woman of Samaria comes to draw water. Amen? Now, she comes to draw water. Now, let me show you something. The sixth hour here is about noon. In ancient times, brethren, drawing water from the well was women's work. All right? Women that wanted to help their family would go to the well to draw water. But they had a particular time, church, that they would go to the well. You did not go to draw water from the well at any time of the day. Brother, what they did was, it was interesting, church, that it was in the evening time that it was between 3 and 5 o'clock that was the time that the women went to draw water. Let me show you this. Over in Genesis 24 and verse 10, look what the Bible says. See, brother, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put all this together. Genesis 24, verse 10. The Bible says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all of his master's goods were in his hands, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahar. Now, just, just, just let me just explain something here. Let me tell you what's going on. Abraham needs a wife for Isaac, okay? And in ancient times, brethren, the boy did not choose his own wife. The mama of church, the mama and daddy would choose his wife. Now, now, brethren, that's not such a bad thing today, I think. Amen. I wish we could, praise God, but that's not the deal. So, so, so Isaac needs a wife. Abraham was old when he had Isaac. So now Isaac is ready to take a wife. And so now Abraham really, really is old now, and, he can't, and, he, and he's got to find a wife for Isaac. So what he does is he sends his servant. Now his servant, brethren, has got to choose a wife for his master, uh, for his master's son here. So Abraham gives him a whole lot of stuff. He gives him a lot of money, a lot of cattle, and because he's got to go to a land and find a woman that he does not know, get her to follow a man that she does not know, to leave her mama and her daddy, and go marry a man that she's never seen. So, 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 so now he's He's loaded up with some stuff, brethren, and he's going to find a good woman for Isaac to marry. Now, let me ask you something. Where do you go to find a good woman? Well, in their culture, everybody knew if you wanted to find a good woman, if you want to find a woman that's trying to take care of her family, you want to find a woman that ain't sitting at home doing nothing, if you want to find a good woman, where do you go? Well, in their culture, brethren, they understood that they would go to the well. Y'all see it? They go to the well. Y'all understand in their culture, brethren, you know where we would go to find a good woman. Amen? If you want to find a good woman, uh, 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 in our culture, where would we go? To the church. Amen. Brother, but in their culture, they went to the well. Now watch this. Genesis 24 in verse 10. We just read that he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahar. Now watch verse 11. Verse 11 says, And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at what time? Evening time. When women go out to draw water. Why do you want to go to the well? Well, because that's where the good women are. Am I right? That's where they are, brother. We're going to go and draw some water. Verse 11 says, So he made his camels to lie down outside the city of a well of water. At what time? Come on, church, stay with me. What time? Evening time. The time when women go to draw water from the well. You want to find a good woman? Where do you go? To the well. What time do you get there? Evening time. See, ain't no need of you going in the morning. Why? Because ain't no good women there. 
But then this, this stuff is good. See, I've got to find my master, a good woman. Where do I go? To the well. What time do I get there? In the evening time. Now go back to the text. Y'all see that? Go back to the text. John 4. Now, brother, so here he is. Jesus gets to the well at about what time? The sixth hour. The sixth hour is what time? Noon time. Nobody is supposed to be at the well at noon time. Y'all see this? The good women hadn't got there yet. Amen. Here comes this woman. She's coming to the well. Not at three o'clock, brethren. She's coming to the well at noontime. Twelve o'clock. Here comes this woman. Why is she coming to the well at noontime? Because, brethren, she don't want to run into those good women. She don't want to run those good women, brethren. Why? Because this woman knows her life is messed up. Amen. Later on in the text, Jesus says, well, go call your husbands. And she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know. You showed enough right. You don't have a husband. You had five husbands. And the one you with now ain't your husband. You shacking up with him. Well, he didn't say that, but <laughs> y'all know what he meant. So Jesus knew, brethren, when she got there that her life was messed up. Jesus knew that. So here he comes. And what I found, brethren, that was interesting is the fact that Jesus did not immediately start jumping on this woman about her life. The first thing you have to do, church, is... First of all, you've got to let folk know you care about them. One of the mistakes we make in the church as Christians is that we first want to start pointing out, brethren, where somebody is wrong before we help them understand that we love them and we care about them. See, Jesus knew, brethren, that when she walked up there that her life was messed up Matter of fact, that's the reason, brethren, that Jesus is there in the first place, and that's the reason uh, uh, she's there at 12 instead of 3 because she didn't want to run into them good women. Here she comes. Can y'all see her? Look at this woman. Jesus sitting at the well. Here this woman comes. She's walking up to the well, brethren, and she sees this dusty traveler. Ain't nobody Supposed to be at the well. And the reason she's down there is because she don't want to run into none of y'all. She looks, and there sits this dusty traveler at the well. Brother, she's already got an attitude. Nobody's supposed to be here. That's the reason I'm here at noontime. And there sits this man on in the well. And matter of fact, what's worse than that is that it's not only a man, it's a Jew. And he's sitting there. And she walks up to the well with the attitude. And the man has a density, brethren. He's got the unmitigated gall to ask this woman for a drink. She says, how is it that you being a Jew ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? You know how you Jews view us Samaritan women. See, brethren, Jewish men saw Samaritan women as always impure. Uh, Jewish men saw Samaritan women, brethren, in their culture as always unclean. Jewish men uh, viewed Samaritan women as constantly being on their cycle. See, brethren, the Levitical law prohibited any Jewish man from touching anything that any person had handled 
by a woman that was on her cycle. See, brother, you got to understand this stuff to understand how this impacts this woman. Look, look real quickly if you, so I can help you with this. Look at Leviticus chapter 15. Look at Leviticus chapter 15 and beginning in verse 19. Listen what the Bible says. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies, everything she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. So everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Verse 21, whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything that's set on her, that, that she set on, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all so that her impurity is on him, he should be unclean seven days. And every bed on which he shall lie on should be unclean. Verse 25, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days other than the time of her customary impurity or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity she shall be unclean y'all see this brother this woman the Jews what they did church is they saw Samaritan women anything they looked at the Samaritan woman as being unclean. Anything, brethren, she handles while on her cycle, you cannot touch it. If you do, you are classified as unclean. And you know, there was this great ceremonial thing you went through to get back clean. So if Jewish men saw uh, Samaritan women as always unclean, as always constantly impure, unclean, brethren, that meant that Jesus could not touch anything this woman handled. See it? Now watch. Let me show you something. Jesus says to this woman, he says to this woman, verse 7, give me a drink. She says, you must be crazy. Yeah, brother. Well, she didn't say that, but she says, what? How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? You know how you Jews look at us Samaritan women. You always view us as unclean. Anyway, Jesus, you don't even have a cup. Now, brethren, if I was so inclined as to draw some water and give you a drink, what you going to drink out of, Jesus? And brethren, I, I, I know, Jesus, I know you could not be thinking about drinking out of my cup, Jesus. Don't you see what Jesus was saying to this woman, church? He was saying, woman, I don't have a cup. I know I didn't have a cup when I got up here. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is, I don't have a cup. I knew I didn't have one when I asked. Uh, what I'm going to tell you is, is I don't look like, I don't act like other Jews. Jewish rabbis act like or look like. Jesus says, I'm willing to drink from your cup. I'll treat you like somebody. I'll treat you like family. I'll treat you like kinsmen. I will drink from your cup. Mm. Anybody remember back when you didn't have running water? Anybody, anybody remember those days? Brother, my, my grandparents, my grandparents used to go down to, to uh, we used to go down to our grandparents' house. And, 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 and our grandparents, we, on my mother's side, my, we had, my, 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 my grandparents was, my grandmother on my mother's side was called Grandma Down Yonder. <laughs> and my, and my, my grandmother on my father's side was Grandma Over Yonder. We had a down yonder and the over yonder. Well, brethren, I remember my grandmother on my mother's side is they would go and draw water from the well. And they put in that bucket, brethren. There was a bucket on that counter, and they had something in that bucket called a dipper. Y'all remember that? Some of your older members remember that. Some young folks, you may not know nothing about the dipper, but there's a dipper. I, I, see, brethren, what it was, the dipper was this little round aluminum bowl with a handle on it. And you put that dipper in the bucket, and everybody in the house would drink from that bucket from that same dipper. Am I right? 
Amen. Grandma would drink from the bucket and that dipper. My mother would drink from the bucket and that dipper. My aunts and, and, and uncles would drink from it, brother. Mama, mama didn't mind my grandfather drinking from it. She didn't mind her sisters and her brother drinking from it, brethren. Uh, but my mother had some cousins, and, and, and all of them would go out in the field, and they would play, and they would come in dirty and sweaty, and they would go to drinking out of that bucket, brethren, water running down their chin in front of the bucket, that did not bother my mother, church, uh, and didn't bother my, my aunts and uncles, brethren. Why? Because they were what? Family. Y'all see that? But my grandmother had a friend. She had a friend, brethren, and they didn't like it. My mother and them didn't like it when that friend would come over. You know why? Because he chewed tobacco. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Folk, bro, let me tell you something. See, when you chew tobacco, folk that chew tobacco, it seemed like they always had that little brown streak on the side of their mouth. Amen? And my mother and them, they would, they, would, they would see him drink out of that bucket and that dipper, and they would take that dipper and they would, in that bucket, they'd throw the water out, get fresh water, and they would wash that dipper out. Why is that? Well, because you had to be awfully close, brethren, to drink out of that bucket. You have to be awfully close to drink out of that cup. Do y'all see what the Lord is saying to this woman? Lord is saying, I know I don't have a cup. When I asked you for a drink, I knew I didn't have a cup. What I'm trying to tell you is, I love you. Jesus says, I, I treat you like family. I drink out of your cup. Because, brethren, our Lord has a unique way of showing us how much he loves us. Brethren, isn't that a great text? That's a great text for the church of Christ. Now, brethren, as I close, Jesus is saying, Fountainhead Church of Christ, You're going to have to go places where nobody else wants to go. You're going to have to love some people that nobody else wants to love. And they've got to see that you care about them. They've got to see that you will treat them like family. But let me tell you something. That's why the church needs to be like family. We are the family. We are the household of God. That's why we are to be careful how we treat one another. Amen. Brother, that's why we call one another brother or sisters. Brother, let me tell you something. Brother is not a title. It's Adolfos. Brother is a relationship. See, church, you can look at Brother Chad and myself and you can tell that we are not of the same physical parentage. Am I right? Now, I walked in here this morning and I learned that one of our sisters here's maiden name is Cherry. We kinfolk. Y'all didn't even know that, did you? But, brethren... What Jesus is saying is, see, he's saying when you come to the Lord, we are born again of the water in the same womb. The word brothers, adolfos, when you call me brother, we're talking about a relationship. And when we're born again, church, we are spiritually have come from the same womb. Amen. And see, that's the reason baptism is both a womb and a tomb. Because when I'm baptized, I die with Christ, and it's a wound when I get up, and when I die, brethren, I get up out of that grave, and, and, and that watery grave, and I'm raised up to walk in the newness of life. I'm born all over again, not from my mother's womb, but of the water and the spirit. And when I'm born again, God puts me into the only family he has, and brethren, that family is the Lord's church. And the Lord only has one. Am I right? He only has one. And brother, that name, that name, the Church of Christ, is not a proper name. It is a descriptive name. It talks about who the church belongs to. Jesus Christ is the head. Amen? 
There's only one, universal, ecclesia. And, and brethren, that's what we have to be about. So I want to encourage, and let me tell you all something. All this week, let me tell you, starting tonight, I want to encourage you all to come back tonight because actually tonight is really going to start the meeting. This morning is not the start of the meeting. This morning, I want y'all to, when y'all leave this place this, this afternoon, uh, I want y'all to go out there and, and, and go to places that you aren't comfortable going and invite some folks. Because the rest of this week, what we're going to be dealing with is the church. We're going to be dealing with the unjust steward, the parable in Luke 16. And that parable speaks to the church. I'm going to be saying some things to the church, to the fountainhead church of Christ, that's probably going to make some of you all uncomfortable. But you know what? We don't grow in our comfort zone. We don't. But if you're here this morning, and you're not a child of God. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you so much. He died for you. And he wants you to come to him broken. He already knows you don't have a cup. He already knows you messed up. That's why you're here. Brethren, that's why each and every one of us are here. It's the church, brethren. The church ain't for healthy folk. The church is for sick folk. And every single one of us in here are sick. Amen. That's why we need Jesus. And Jesus says, I will take you and I will love you and I will shape you and I will forgive you of all your sins. Every single thing. Wash you clean in the water of the blood. And brethren, when you're washed clean, Jesus says, but you got to do something. you got to come to him by faith. See, church, the thing about coming to Jesus by faith is that you don't know how. It's almost unbelievable. It really is. But because you believe Jesus Christ came and died, because you believe that and he now sits on the right hand of God, you're willing to step out on some faith. And after you, and, be, and, and you believe that, you're going to come and you're going to say, I'm willing to repent of my sins. Yeah, I want to turn around and walk with Jesus. And I want to confess him before men that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then I want to be buried in the watery grave of baptism that I can be raised up to walk in the newness of life. And as the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 47, God would add me to the church. See, the church, the thing about the Lord's church is you can't join the church. God adds you to the church. You know why he does that? Because when God adds you to the church, can't nobody kick you out of it. And when you do that, brethren, he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is written. And the Bible says, be thou faithful unto death. As long as you stay with God, you'll make heaven your home. In your sin, get up. In your trials, get up. And your storm, get up. No wonder the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28, for we know, what do we know, Paul? That all things, what's all things? Bad things, sinful things, uh, uh, good things, trying things, all things. God says, if you stay with me, if you, and he's talking about your eternal salvation. He says, for we know all things. Do what? Work to the what? Good. To who? Aaron, Anybody? No, to who? To those who what? Love him. And it's called according to his purpose. Brother, let me tell you something. For so long in the body of Christ, and I want to get this right now. I want us to understand grace. For so long, we kind of been taught this stuff. That if I was to die, say I'm going down the road and somebody cuts me off. And I may just say a bad word. I really, I didn't really mean it, but it just, I, I just stumbled. And brethren, in the church, we've been told this stuff that if you sin and the Lord calls you home, that you will not go to heaven. That's what we've been taught for the longest. That's not God. But I'm not talking about habitual sin. 
I'm not talking about somebody who lives in sin. You know you, you know you sin and you love your sin. You run into sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about once saved, always saved. Because you can fall from grace. Y'all hear me? But let me tell you about grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Brethren, grace, grace, is, grace, is, grace is not something you earn. Amen? We're saved by grace through faith. See, God says, I'll save you. Even when you're not doing right, but your heart is tender toward me, you know you're not doing right, and you want to come to God, you want to do better, you just need somebody to strengthen you. You don't need somebody to step on you while you're down. You need somebody to say, brother, sister, get up. It's going to be okay. Keep on walking with the Lord. And you got some struggle. Anybody here don't have any struggles? Anybody here got, some, got a sin that you ain't struggling with? See, brother, your sin may not be my sin, but you got one. Am I right? And if you say you don't, see, your sin is lying. Brother, we got to understand this stuff because when I know God loves me like that, when I know God loves me like that, you know what that does to me? It makes me want to run closer to God. Because I know his grace and mercy is sufficient. Not run away from God. But the man, I love him so much. And he know what? He loves me and he knows what Donald struggles meant. Brother, don't you know, we all got to struggle. I was telling some of the guys and ladies last night, just coming up here to Tennessee, my wife and I, I ain't going to have time to tell the whole story, but my wife and I, come in, the devil is trying to attack while we're in the car together. I'm telling y'all. And don't you know, don't you know, my wife probably had some bad thoughts and I probably had some bad thoughts, but I was praying to Jesus. Jesus, help me. I know this old devil's trying to get me. Lord, I didn't mean to make my wife mad. Amen. Amen. And she's sitting over there mad at me. See, she had some things going on in her spirit. Now, what if we'd have had a car accident? I'm trying to get us to see this. What if we'd had a car accident and died? You think we wouldn't make we, we, you think we wouldn't make heaven our home? See, brother, some folk would tell us long time ago, they would say, no, you didn't get a chance to repent. You're going to hell. That's not our God. Our God is loving and mercy. That's what's going to cover us is mercy and grace. He knows our heart, brother. And see, when we know this stuff, church, because what's been happening in the Lord's church for so long, and the reason folk, brethren, has not embraced the church is because they figure that stuff is too hard for me. I can't do it. I can't. That's pharisaical. I can't keep the law, brother Chad. I can't. I can't. And I can't. So ain't no sense in me doing it. Well, I've been baptized, but, but I'm not counting on the grace of God. I'm just not, you know, uh-uh. But you say, Jesus, I love you. I know you love me. And I'm messed up right now. My thinking ain't right. My wife ain't right. but I know you're right. And forgive me, Lord. That's what I said, church. You see how the growth is, brother man? That's the growth is. We got to grow in the Lord. See, that was the lesson on Sunday morning. We got to grow in the Lord to say, Lord, help me to take off that man. Help me to put on the bowels of mercy and grace and kindness. See, brother, that's the love Jesus used, the love the apostle Paul used is agape love. Unconditional. And the Bible says, in John chapter 3, verse 16, says, for God so loved, that's agape. That's, that's undeserved. That's unconditional. So if you're here this morning, let me tell you something. God knows your sin. He knows your struggle. And he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Anybody need some rest this morning? And brethren, if you're not a child of God, if you are not a child of God, you come, and that's your response. Your response is you hear it, you believe it, 
You repent, you confess, and you be baptized. That's your response to the plan of salvation. If you're a child of God, brother, now here's the thing. Because I know many of us here are probably members of the Lord's church. Have y'all ever seen folk who don't never repent, who don't never confess? And brother, I'm not telling you, I'm not sitting up here telling you to, to, to come up here. What I'm telling you is, brethren, so oftentimes we sit right in our pews. Some of you all will leave this building this morning messed up. And you'll leave out of these pews without saying, remember, we're a church family, without saying, family, pray for me. Family, I'm getting ready to go to a job Monday morning that I'm struggling with these folk. Family, pray for me. I'm going to a home where my children don't act right. Family, pray for me. Any of y'all ever been in jail before? See, you won't even admit it. <laughs> the point being, church, is, see, when folks see our transparency, they'll say, wow, I can't make it without Jesus either. And I need some prayers. Y'all pray for me. Just because I preach God's word does not mean Satan does not try to attack. Pray for me. Pray that I will continue to be the kind of husband and preacher and father and grandfather and child of God. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me that I will put up with God's people. Because y'all are some of the worst people to put up with. I'm telling you. I'm through. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And I don't want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to look at yourself. Deep down in your soul. Because here's the thing. Jesus already knows. He knows your every sin. He knows your every... Don't you know Jesus knows what you're thinking right now? Don't you, don't you know he knows right now some of y'all out there saying, I, should, I wish he would hurry up and sit down? Don't you know he knows that? <laughs> he does. Don't you know he knows our every thought? Isn't that a scary concept? That's scary, brethren. He knows my every thought. And we see him by word, thought, or deed. And sometimes, brethren, we just need to come up and say, church, pray for me. If you're here this morning and if you need anything, if you need to become a child of God, don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised to us. All we have is today. And if you, if you are a child of God and you need prayer, brethren, we are family. We want to just love you and let you know that you're... you're, you're your joy is our joy and your pain is our pain. Won't you come as we stand and sing the song of invitation?